Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Dane Santa, joined, as always, by the Martin Sheen to my Cliff Robertson. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> and our very own Patton Oswalt. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, um, how you doing, buddy? All the times I've wanted to be Patton Oswalt, this is the most Patton oswalt so I'll take you wanted it. to, you wanted to be the Patton Oswalt Uncle Ben. Yes, the I mean, <laughs> it it works, I guess. Yeah, I'm. I'm, with, I'm uh, with great intro power comes great intro responsibility, Nathan. Yeah, I had to change it up because uh, behind the curtain, this is the, the third time I've done that, and I was like, I have to do something different this time because I, <laughs> it's getting boring. The old one. Okay, so uh, let's start with this. Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson goes to Denver. I said that all his recipes would need to be different because of the altitude. But did Russ li- listen? No. The stadium was on fire. Did you guys see this? I did not check that. the oven settings for the new altitude. Clearly cranked that up. And, you know, now his meal's ruined. When the Broncos are so excited, they didn't even notice the fire. They had to have one of the uh, people on tour to be like, excuse me, your stadium's on fire. Y'all stadiums is on fire. Uh, you know, what I like is apparently there was a fire at the Raptors stadium, too. So I wonder if there's a very specific serial arsonist on the loose. Kevin, do you think they have a trade going on? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. This this uh, the whole stadium catching fire thing is is brutal. So, yeah, that's that was crazy. I was like, OK, Justin Coleman is back, boys. Does this does this give you, make you feel does this make you feel safer about our floor at um at nickel cornerback, Kevin, or do you feel like they'd still be something that they should look for in the draft? I mean, I think, yeah, I, I think you named it exactly, which is uh, it's the classic uh, John Schneider, make sure there's not a glaring hole in a spot. So then if the right guy's there, if Jalen Petrie's sitting there and they like him, if there's, um, you know, uh, Marcus Jones out of Houston, there's a number of uh, really interesting slot corner prospects. Um, I would argue Kyler Gordon's a slot corner prospect. Um, there's a number of those guys in this draft. And if one of them sitting there, we could take them. And if they beat out Justin Coleman, they get the job. If they don't, then we have, uh, Ugo Amadi fighting it out with Justin Coleman for the corner, for the slot corner job. Because I think they're finally ready to fully transition, um, Blair to box safety. Yeah. Or, or, or single height, some type of safety for sure. The, uh, the last two seasons, Coleman has not been super great, um, and I, I'm a little, I'm a little worried that they think that this is just the the answer. But he's only 29, and he was really good for us. Was it so Maxwell maybe, that we got back, yeah. and he was like perfectly adequate after not being very good elsewhere? Correct. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So it might be one of those situations where we we get the guy back, and and he turns out to be to be fine. Just be just needed a needed to come back home or get get back with the coaching staff that can get the most out of him. Also, I mean, last year Miami kind of used him as a super sub. Yep. They would just kind of play him wherever there was injuries. So he had outside corner snaps, inside corner snaps. And in Detroit, like he had Matt Patricia, and that's a massive handicap. He did Matt Patricia and COVID. Bad combination. Yeah, in Detroit, though, like, I mean, the, the 2020 season, the, it, that was rough for him. He got targeted 45 times on 288 coverage snaps. That's a lot. And he gave up an NFL rating of 134 on those targets. And then the season before that, he got targeted 112 times on 600. Basically, teams were going after Coleman on the on the Lions. So I don't I don't know what happened. I don't know. Maybe he's lost a step. There's I think it's a Patricia say. scheme thing, like because he's really bad at scheming because he was a terrible coach. I mean, 
tough but but fair. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Coleman is back though. I do I do think like yeah, the worst case scenario at him and Amadi uh competing for the slot corner job is is not the end of the world. It's it's bad, but it's not it's not the end of the world, which is kind of where the Seahawks want to be right now. Um the biggest hole left on the roster is offensive tackle. I wanted to take a peek at the uh at the remaining offensive tackle free agents and let you guys kind of Say, do, do, you, do any of these guys uh, – I was about to say, do any of these guys tickle your pickle, but then I, I realized that was a super mm-hmm. a super weird thing to say. Do any of these players appeal to you? <laughs> um, so, do any of these players tickle <laughs> – <laughs> Okay. Uh, so, let's start a tackle. We got um, left on free agency, the return of the king, Dwayne Brown. Huh? You guys? You guys want to – to beg back, beg Dwayne Brown back into action. Well, Dwayne Brown is flirting with other teams, and I think that flirtation is him being lowballed. So I, I want to know what Carolina's offer to Dwayne Brown is because it was very clear he was going to Carolina until that stalled, which tells mm-hmm. me maybe they're only offering him like. Do you think he's being offered like eight million a year for for one year, or maybe you know two at fourteen, two at sixteen? I think that teams are offering him like yeah. Maybe two years with like t- with like ten million in guarantees or twelve million in guarantees, something like that. And he's looking for closer to like twenty million in guarantees to come back for two years. I mean, do I want him back at that? You know, twelve million, two years, twelve million in guarantees. Yes, yes, I will take that. Yeah, Kevin, you you want to beg back for Dwayne Brown? Is that is that a top option for you still? Uh. I think it is a solid option. I put it kind of in a tie with a few of the other ones out there, just because I do think the decline is inevitable. Um, But the market's thin and we need to sign somebody. Um, I I don't want to rely on two two rookies at offensive tackle. All right. How about Eric Fisher? Hmm. Uh, It depends on what we're paying him. Um, I I, I think he is going to demand like a, like three years with like, uh, some significant guarantees probably is that is that is that too much for you you don't want to give him the uh 25 million in guarantees or whatever kevin That's... no i don't think he's uh significantly enough better than like a riley rife who is not going to demand that yeah okay that, that was my next guy <laughs> riley rife uh probably get somewhere around 10 million in guarantees also yeah, two uh, years 10 mil guaranteed like around 15 on the yeah. contract i'll take that the colts are looking into Dwayne brown and the colts had Eric Fisher, so that tells me that why why don't they keep Eric Fisher? I I also I'm with Kevin on this. Not, not about um, the big thing that I like about Rafe is also he can play uh, left or right tackle at like a quality level, which that flexibility maintains flexibility in the draft and the offseason competition. How about um, let's go with uh, Cook? I'm, all these other all these other guys have pretty much signed. Like Cornelius Brandon Shell hasn't right? signed. Uh, yeah, Fetty and Shell haven't. We could go back to those well, either of those wells. Maybe Let's not that. talk about a Fetty. Thank you. <laughs> How about Jason Peters? If we're gonna go for an old dude, he no. played last year. For, he played last year for two and a half million dollars. Like he's basically available for for free, and he wasn't that bad either. Like that's the thing. His numbers were like. He's fine. He held his own. He holds his own. If we could sign him for that and and bring in another body, that would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's got to be the right price. There's the the pickings are slim, 
but also the money I want to pay these pickings is slim. All right, Kevin, would you you're out on you're out completely on just like a one year four million dollar Jason Peters? Come no, on down. I'm not completely out on that. Like again, it's one of those things where if it comes down to it, I want to sign a guy that doesn't make me super uncomfortable to start because right now our starting tackles are Stone Forsyth and Jake Curhan. I'm I'm having flashbacks to uh well, who was the guy that Bradley up, Sowell. So, I'm I'm having Bradley wow. Sowell flashbacks right now. Yeah, with with our Sewell, current tackle that whatever. Um how about David Questenberry? Not a tackle in my opinion. No. I think he I mean he played right tackle for for Titans for years. I I don't know. I think he'd be fine if as like a depth right tackle. My, uh is, is uh are any of these other guys available? Is is Dennis Kelly still around? I think so. I have a Dennis Kelly swing tackle. Uh sure. <laughs> these guys are all swing tackles. Dennis Kelly, Mike Remmers, David Quesenberry, uh yeah, there's just not a, some pickings, man. It's some pickings. You're right. We need to get one of these guys in the building quick. Yeah, like they need to. They need to get one of these guys just just signed and and ready to go. I'm I'm into Jason Peters as like a breaking case of glass. He's 40 though. Like it's crazy. That guy is. We we say Dwayne Brown is old. This guy is. This guy is old. But he Mike still Gundy wants to would play. say he's a man. He still wants to play he's for. He's still. He's 40. Um, he still wants to play football, though. I mean, it's pretty crazy. So the thing I like about signing one of the swing tackle options, like, again, uh, Riley Reef is just an easy guy to pick for this because, um, like, he's a C-level starter at both right and left tackle, which means, again, like, whatever way the competition shakes out, he's likely to be a useful player for us um, for the mm-hmm. length of the contract and sort of kicks the can down the road on needing to get two good tackles. Because... If we were to get him and then Charles Cross falls or we draft Abraham Lucas in the second round or the third round um, or somebody ends up shaking free over the offseason because of a different move. Like there's a lot of uh, talk right now that uh, Iki Aquanu is uh, top of the Jets draft board. If that happened, could we go after Mekhi Becton? Hmm. Uh, so. The idea of signing someone with left right tackle flexibility is kind of appealing to me. Uh, and the only guy on the list that I see that with who I would feel good about starting at left tackle or not feel bad about starting at left tackle is probably Reef. Okay. And the, okay, so let's, let's, oh, Dwayne Brown. I wouldn't feel bad about starting, Dwayne but I wouldn't Brown start Dwayne Brown at right tackle is the thing. He's a oh, left yeah, tackle. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. So we've kind of made it. Uh, like our opinion known that with this, we feel like this is kind of a, like a, like an eight man draft, right? Like there's eight guys that if any of them fell, it would feel very good uh, to, to kind of, to kind of, uh, what's, what's we would love to be you? their landing spot. We'd love to be the right. one that yes. stops the fall. <laughs> and I do think that, that the Seahawks have kind of made it, made their, I think they're being obtuse about whether or not they want a quarterback for just this reason. Yes. Uh, they, they want to, to get one of these guys. So let's go over these guys just kind of in general and uh, talk a little bit about them. So that's a, well, first of all, there's like, there's the edge players. So we got Walker, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, right? These are the guys that are the edge. And then I think there's, there's, there's buzz around uh, Jermaine Johnson as well uh, from a physical tools perspective. Yep. Uh, so, so these edge players, which, um, which one would you be most excited to see in a Seahawks uniform, Kevin? 
That's kind of an interesting one. Uh, I think that uh, Aiden Hutchinson is interesting because he, like, his skill set is really finished. But I actually think Kayvon Thibodeau is the better match for what we need. He could play with his hand in the ground. He has the best, um, like, his ability to flip his hips at his size as a pass rusher is really good. And he can play that kind of stand-up edge. He can rush from a two-point or a three-point stance. Um, he does have the strength for Rundy. He just needs some technique work. Uh, he has pretty good field awareness. So he's a guy who can come in with Uchenna Nwosu and uh, uh, Daryl Taylor and work as those two-point stance rush ends in kind of the modified 4-3 under slash 3-4 defense that we're likely to run. Yeah, I, I really really like Thibodeau. I think that there's a chance he actually is available at nine. Um, and that, that would be, that would be sweet. I think Trevon Walker's a really good fit for the the defense we're turning into with like the three, four big end. Um, he's already really good, uh, run stopper. Like he's already has that ability and his, his physical charting was off the charts. Uh, just insane, insane level of physical charting totally seems like a I don't know how to say it. Seahawks guy. <laughs> so, but on a zero to ten scale of pass rushing understanding and technique, he is a zero. Um, uh, I don't even think he actually has a bull rush. I has, just think he's very strong. He he. <laughs> okay, here's the thing that he he doesn't have um any bend or pass rush moves. Like he's just and I think he has moves, but he just is like he he has like plan A. And and it doesn't work because he doesn't execute it very well. And then the plan B, he just like doesn't even think to go there. Does that make sense? Yeah, he scares the crap but, out of me. But then I was a clean miss on Rashawn Gary for the exact same reason. So I guess that's on me. For me, he he has to land as a three four de. Like if he lands as a four three edge, it's gonna be bad. Yeah, but like we as should a, start prepping him to play like pass rush three tech at that point. Yeah, yeah, but like he's a, as a good like like three, four DE coming kind of wrecking the middle and just knowing that from day one, he's going to be able to help you in the run game. Like he's not, you're not going to have to, to worry about that. He's going to be effective at that and you can develop the other part. Um, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, but I, I also would pick Thibodeau first. Uh, okay. Then that there's the tackles. So there's Iki Kwanwu, there's Charles cross, there's Evan Neal. Uh, which of the of the tackles would you uh, would you want to fall to us the most, Kevin? Um, I think that Aquanu and Neil match the profile of a Seahawks tackle better, in that they're both athletic freaks. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I Charles Cross is a good athlete. Uh, he's kind of getting buried a little bit, and his testing numbers were really good. He's a really smooth mover. His measurements are what the team likes. I. He- I, I don't know, man. This is kind of a 1A, 1B, 1C scenario for me. So when I looked at Charles Cross's relative athletic score, you know, and I went to the, the RAS uh, thing or whatever, yeah. that the thing is, is that, yeah, certain things he's really good at. Like he had like 9.59 in the 40, 9.01 in the 10-yard split, 8.18 in the shuttle, 9.29 in the broad jump. Like the, uh, that's, those are out of 10. 10 would be the best. But then he did. Re- he was pretty bad in the other stuff. 3.37 in the vert, 4.83 in the three cone, uh, 2.81 for height. Uh, the, so it like all washed out to an eight, which is solid, right? And the biggest comps for him are 
like Jack Driscoll is and Forrest Lamp. Like those are his big comps. And I'm, I don't know. I just, I get, I get worried about like, why, why is his broad so good and his vert so bad? Like that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> so, so it's just, you're right. He's not a bad athlete. I think people are ragging on him. Like he's a bad athlete. No, that's, that's not the case, but he's, he has, there's weird stuff going on here and his pro day could help him a lot. Um, right now people see him as just like the, a really great pass blocker, a guy who's going to come out and, and do good there. But what is he as in the run game? And it's a legitimate question there. He's most likely to be able to, you're right. I crossed on tape, man. It's just a guy who knows how to play football. Like he just, he's, he's so satisfying to watch. Uh, yeah. I know, feel like Evan Neal's the most bankable asset, which is probably why he's going to be first off the board. Uh, Ikea Kwanu is like the super nasty finisher that like the offensive line coaches are going to beg their uh, front office to take. A little bit of a dirt bag. Yeah. yeah he's got a little dirt bag in him. He'll <laughs> definitely throw his kicker under the bus after a loss. Um, and then Charles cross kind of doesn't like, Charles Cross is a great example of, and I know you kind of just said the opposite with his athletic testing, but he's kind of the guy who's just a B plus at everything. Mm-hmm. And so because he doesn't have this like crazy standout trait on film. Like when you watch him, the best thing he's this mirror. He's good at mirroring in the pass rush. That's his elite skill. Yeah. And it's not, it's not very exciting. And you're going like, <laughs> well, he didn't kill that guy. And then you look and you're like, Oh wait, that dude had like double digit sacks in the sec. And he just basically forced the guy to play patty cake with him for the entire game. And he never even got near the quarterback. He, he definitely does that like impressive without looking impressive thing. All right. Then we got the, the two cornerbacks. So we've done the, uh, the three tackles, the three edge players, and then the two cornerbacks, we got Derek Stingley jr. And uh, sauce Gardner. So, uh, I know Eric's a sauce guy just because of the name. Absolutely. (laughs) But, uh, I, 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 here's my thing. Okay. Is that sauce seems to have passed Stingley for, for a lot of people. A lot of people seem to be on the uh, sauce Gardner over Derek Stingley train. I don't understand it at all. Uh, Derek Stingley is, is super good. I would love to have him in a Seahawks uniform. He's so young too. He's still 20. Like this guy is like, he's, I don't know. I'm just into, I'm into Derek Stingley. I think they're both really great. Uh, the Stingley played on a bad defense the last two years, and I think it affected his draft stock. He would be in the top five, clearly, if that didn't happen. Uh, Sauce Gardner is the physical guy that the Seahawks kind of like, long arms, the physicality. He also is kind of, um, his nickname is Praying Mantis because he's real gangly, but but like physical still. So I'm, I'm on Team Stingley, Kevin. Are you Stingley or Sauce? I'm Team Sauce. And right. uh, so, okay, so... Let's say on a one to one hundred scale, um, I think we can agree Derek Stingley's absolute peak potential is like a one hundred. Like he could be like he has every tool necessary to be a A plus the guy you refer to as the top cornerback in the league kind of corner. Mm-hmm. Uh I would say Ahmad Gardner's like a ninety-four. Like his peak potential is more athletic Richard Sherman. Okay. Um, but the thing is, Derek, uh, but the thing is, Derek Stingley's floor is guy who's hurt all the time because that's a bit of a problem for him. And then he's a guy whose play has declined every year since his freshman year. And I know part of it's the defense that he's been on, but part of it's also like being hurt and not showing out the same way. Whereas Ama Gardner is consistent, plays a lot of snaps, plays them all at a high level. 
and has improved throughout his college career. Like you watch his tape from his from the last three years and you can see where he's getting better over those three years. So I feel like it's and I, I do that to set up the fact that Ahmad Gardner is the safer pick. And I say that while saying he's a safer pick whose upside is nearly the same as Stingley's. Yeah, I do think that the the more people have dug into Stingley's tape and they watch him take take snaps off or like just doesn't have that super high competitive fire on on tape. It seems like I think that's where people have let, let yeah. sauce work them way over thing. I just think, but you're right. He was 19 and 20 years old on a college team with a toxic culture. Like that's like I'm not going to hang that on the 20 year old. Yeah, and he was so good when he was on that in that championship season as like a. 18 17 18 year old playing in a in on a championship team he was so good so that i don't i think that i'm stingley by a hair they're both they're both really close yeah i think they're both I mean, elite pro, uh quarterback sauce i agree sauce, sauce gardner handled his business against jameson williams i think that that's all you need to know about like yes he should be a top 10 pick like he he put he put him in the in the ground he did not give up big plays to the best wide receiver if and then one thing i want to say about that if if um, Jamison Williams doesn't tear his ACL in the national championship, this guy is in in this top eight mix for me. Uh, so that's someone I would like to see us looking at as a potential trade into the back of the first round, or if he falls to forty, kind of guy. Like, or I'm if we su- traded a wide receiver. Yeah, or if, yes, if we trade a wide receiver, like being like, yeah, we'll go, we'll go, we'll be the team that that uh that picks him up because he's super super good. Okay, and then. Kyle Hamilton is another guy who's around this mix. Um, he's like kind of the uh, the eight B, the the last guy that the team that a team might fall in love with. Um, just imagine Cam Chancellor, but fast, uh, but like I don't even know. I don't even know how to explain this player. with more just, lateral mobility. Yes, Cam Chancellor, but more mobile. Uh, this is the modern. This is the modern defender. Cam Chancellor was the prototype. Kyle Hamilton is the is the version 1.0 or whatever because i think like everyone looked to camp, camp chancellor and thought man that's going to be hard to replicate that there won't be another one of those around and i think kyle hamilton is proof that they're coming <laughs> safeties that can move and at and at that size and can can just destroy people and break up passes they're they're coming and he, he's a game changer i don't think he's a good fit for us because we're pretty set at safety it would be a bad resource so we'd be playing I'm, functionally a weak side linebacker People I'm rooting for to get picked in the top eight, any quarterbacks. If people are trading up to get quarterbacks or picking quarterbacks, any quarterbacks. I do think part of the reason that we were so um, we're not making any moves, we're not trading for Baker Mayfield, we're not uh, signing any guys, is because we want teams to think that we're picking a quarterback at nine, right? Yep. So, so we want teams ahead of us to be like, hmm, should we take a quarterback? Should we take Malik Willis? Should we go up and get Kenny Pickett? He's our guy. Uh, that's what we want. We want as many quarterbacks going in the top eight as possible. Um, we probably want Kyle Hamilton to go in the top eight because then we can just pick whichever one of those other eight guys falls, right? Walker, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Kwanwu, Cross, Neil, Stingley. Just take whichever one of those eight guys is the guy that's left over. And maybe if enough quarterbacks go, we have options as well, which would be pretty, pretty, pretty great. What do you think, uh, John Schneider is right now. Like, do you think he's fallen in love with a quarterback like Malik Willis? Do you think that he's <sighs> he's leaning edge rusher? Because <clears throat> you got to remember in the the twenty twelve draft, or you know, there was this belief we were going to take Bobby Wagner, but 
John Schneider was in the background like, man, I really wish we could take Russ. I really wish we could take him. And so, so what do you think now? I think that this team knows that it has strongly recognized, and you can look at their history of first-round draft picks, that talent in the trenches comes at the top of the draft. And we have not had a in a top 10 pick in a really long time. And I suspect that they'll see this as an opportunity to get better in the trenches. Now, I don't think they'll force it. So if we get to nine and Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Walker, Cross, Aquanwu, Neal are all off the board, but there's there's Sauce Gardner just sitting there or there's Derek Stingley, whichever those two guys like better. I think that they would move in that direction. Um, we're not in a we're in a position where we have enough weaknesses and our weaknesses very strongly align with the three top positions in the top 10 of this draft. So so that that because of that, um, I do think that that they'll they'll move in that direction. Uh, you could see us trade down. That's also that's another possibility is that maybe the Seahawks are in love with Trevor Penning. And they're going to let someone trade up to come get their their quarterback, and we can go down and get Trevor Penning at nineteen or whatever. Yeah, or Bernard Raymond, who's you know a little old, but um, has that athleticism that we look for in a tackle. And you, you know how much we love old prospects. Old prospects. You know, you know the thing that's crazy about Raymond though is he only played tackle for two years, and his tape it does not appear to be the case. Like, yeah, you're like. You you like you like watches if you just watch this tape and you didn't know that you'd be like that guy's a pretty polished tackle he looks he's got some good skills and then and then you find out that that he's only played tackle for two years it's kind of wild so yeah or maybe we were like Jermaine Johnson and he he isn't as much of a draft riser as we've expected you know maybe we go down to fifteen and let the Eagles come up and get whoever they want he would be I, an excellent systems fit too yeah so yeah or maybe we really like Jordan Davis there's all kinds of guys kind of in the middle of the round that we could probably trade back and 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 target. So, yeah, I don't think we're stuck at nine, but it's a good spot to be in considering the ability to get better in the trenches and where the Seahawks, that's where the Seahawks really need right now. I, I think. could also see Philly trying to trade up with us if one of those top corners is there because they have so much flexibility in their first round picks. Yeah, They come they after need- us and uh, offer us 16 or 19 to move up. Right, 15, mm. 16, 19, and then they give us maybe like a second or a 51 or something like that. Speaking of, of draft day trades though, I made a little, a uh, little chart here. You know, the, 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 the thing going around is wide receivers have been traded a lot this off season. And we have a wide receiver who is very talented, um, but might be at a point now with the Seahawks where we need to kind of give him a new deal or look to give him the uh, Frank Clark treatment, as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> the, so I love DK Metcalf. We all love DK Metcalf. We love the talent. I'm not going to pretend like I want to trade DK Metcalf, but I think it is realistic for the Seahawks to be looking at DK Metcalf trades right now. So if we're a Seahawks podcast, that's what we should be doing too. Um, the So let's look first at the two big wide receiver trades. Okay, Devontae Adams went from Green Bay to Oakland. No, Las Vegas. <laughs> Um, I used the the Rich Hill trade chart to to chart this out. They got the 22nd pick of the draft in the first round, the 53rd pick, um, second round. That is a total of 359 points. Tyree Kill went to the Dolphins. The Dolphins got um, 129, 250, 4, 125, and then a fourth and a sixth next year, which is worth about 30 points. Such an That's insane three, deal. That is, that, that is worth 373 points. So just slightly better than the Devontae Adams package stemming mostly from a there's a big difference between 122 and 129 
So realistic DK Metcalf trade offers. Okay. Start at the top. Here we go. I, I, I aimed for about 350 points. Okay. Yep. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with the New York football jets. Okay. Jets have two different trade offers. They're willing to give us. They will give us back pick one 10 in the first round. That's it. It's worth about 350 points. That hurts my heart. Uh, do you, do you, do you want pick one ten back for DK Metcalf? I want more. Well, you're not getting more. I'm getting. Well, all no, these I don't. I don't worth, want that trade. Though. I don't want that trade. All, the, all these trades are worth 350 points. Just one pick's not enough, though. Yeah. You'd rather one have multiple picks. picks. Yeah. Especially okay. like I no. What it's, what what if it's like a first and a fourth then? Because the fourths are worth basically nothing. So. I think a first and a third, first and a second. I want. I uh, look at what the what the Jets got for Jamal Adams and. I, I certainly don't want to just I feel like we'd be giving them DK Metcalf. One one ten is a very high pick. Kevin, would you take one ten or would you um you tell him to kick rocks? Like if Eric? I could bleed them for one ten plus that fourth round pick, that's a yes for me. Okay. Well because how about, how about this probably get Drake London? How about this different uh Jets package, Eric? That this is apparently what they had uh the Kansas City had already accepted this for Tyreek Hill. This this package. Um they then it came down to Tyreek, which team he wanted to go to between Miami and Kansas City, or uh, Miami and New York. So the Jets were willing to give the Chiefs 235, so the 35th pick in the draft, the 38th pick in the draft, second rounder, and then the third round pick, the 69th pick in the draft. Uh, this is roughly nice. the same number, same number of points uh, as the the, fir- the 110. Uh, so so a 235, 238, and 369. Eric, what do you think about that one? Is that is that better to you? Like just more more uh more bullets in the gun, but kind of distributed <clears throat> differently. You like that one better? I don't. Um, I I realize that there there are points allotted, and people are into points. If I don't value the point system or the the points that are equal, it doesn't matter to me, and I don't like that trade. Not for DK Metcalf. It's a lot of picks, and I appreciate it, but I want a first and. Kevin said first and fourth, first and third. That's just what okay, I'm asking but for. Eric, especially Eric, with so so here's the thing. You already know what number the picks are. So you say first and third. So like if you you'd rather have like the twenty seventh pick at first in the first round and a third round pick than the first because one ten is like we are in the top ten of the oh, draft. I'm just now. saying that's, I'm saying that's I'm, ideally what I want. And I realize that there's the, the Tyree Kill deal, but also Tyree Kill's gone and that deal's not coming back. So since you missed that one, what are you gonna pay for this? Also, DK Metcalf is younger. DK Metcalf, I don't believe, has broken his kid's arm. Um, DK Metcalf has incredible abs. <laughs> that has not broken his kid's arm. <laughs> so that's that's why I don't like the deal. I just and I frankly like two seconds and a third. I mean, that's 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 some that's some great draft capital. But I yeah, and they're not, high second. They're high seconds too. It's like the yeah, third. It's, pick it's in like the really second round first. in the. Honestly, the, yeah. like the the Seahawks will love that trade because it's like, wow, it's like we're getting our own first round picks back from years ago. Hooray. <laughs> All right, uh, Kevin, do you like this? Jet- well, how about this? Let's compare the two. So, Eric, if you had to pick one of those if Jets offers, DK comes knocks on your door and says, I only want to go to the Jets. And you're like, um, we want to maintain a relationship with this agent. Would you have the the two seconds in the third or the the first tenth pick in the first round? Which one do you like? Ah, uh, now now you've really now you've twisted my arm where I have to take one. <laughs> I believe that the Seahawks think... are going to trade down, like they're going to take that first round pick and trade it down. So then yeah. you say, well, you... what are they going to turn it into? I don't think they're going to be able to turn it into two seconds and a third. And if they do, why don't you just take that pick? Could they realistically? Ah, probably taking 
probably taking the second deal then. Two seconds. Okay. Third. But you like so so you are kind of in a mindset where more picks, get more shots. The wide receiver depth in this draft is good. Get more. Get more, a couple guys. More picks, but also like as lottery as you can get them. That's what I want. Yeah. All right. And then uh, Kevin, what about you? Uh, I want if I'm replacing DK, I want a guy that I think could be a number one wide receiver, and I see two of those guys in this draft: uh, Jamison Williams and Drake London. And so I would want 110. So I have the flexibility on picks nine and 10 to give myself the room to be able to get one of those two guys. Chris Olave slander. Chris Olave is a solid (laughs) number two receiver and he's a good deep threat. But I feel like having Lockett and Olave on the same receiving core is kind of like. Do you know what I like about Olave is he would have been perfect with Russell Wilson. Yes. Like just the way that he likes to like watch the quarterback and then when once the play starts to break down is able to kind of move with the quarterback man he would have been the perfect russell wilson wide receiver instead it's kind of like if your top two receivers were like robbie anderson and curtis samuel and it's like if you have two good number two receivers that is not the same thing as having a number one receiver all right, let's go through some other uh, what I think are realistic destinations. I'm going to start with the let's start with the one I think Eric's most quickly going to reject. Uh, Chicago <laughs> gives us two 39th pick in the draft, 48th pick in the draft and a second rounder next year. So three seconds. Get out. <laughs> Kevin, what do you think? Uh, everyone everyone talks again? about. So 39th pick in the draft, uh, uh, 48th pick in the draft and then next year's second rounder. No, uh, no, I can't do that. Everyone says next year's draft is really stacked. Yeah, uh, that's what he said about this year's draft last year. Yeah, and then everyone everyone uh, stayed for next year. Okay, let's go to. Um, I'll go. These are all kind of similar offers. I'll go uh, worst to best. Uh, Dallas gives twenty uh, fourth pick in the first round and fifty sixth pick in the second round. Mm, twenty four and no. fifty six is a no for me. How about Packers twenty two and fifty three? Ooh, it's that's just a, slightly. That's a no, no, I just, I love that you said, I love that you said, uh, the package. That's the, that's the same package. That, by the way, that's the exact package they got for Devonte Adams. They're just giving us the Devonte Adams. I know that's fix. so nuts. Um, uh, that's, that's why it's a no for me. It's no for me as well. Okay, New England gives us twenty-one and fifty-four. Still a no. I want, I want bonus picks. I'm holding out for the moon for DK apparently. I'm also a no because, again, I feel like the two receivers, because basically if we're trading DK, then we need to Justin Jefferson this. And mm-hmm. I don't think we can do that at pick 21. I think that uh, Jameson Williams goes off in the top 20. Oh, you need a you need an earlier pick than 21. Well, how about Philadelphia gives us 115 and then the 83rd pick, the third round, their third round pick? Yes. Ooh. Now that now we're talking. Yeah, because that, that's why 110 is worth a lot more than 115. So it's like it's probably hard for the Jets to justify throwing in anything more than like a like a really late pick. But Philadelphia at 115 or 116 can can uh, can justify it a little better, giving us the 83rd pick along with the 15th. Yeah, I would take uh, that. Eric, would you you in, you in yeah. on this one? Or you, yeah, yeah. Okay. So so what we're looking for kind of in a DK pick is is a dk pick because we want a pick in the top half of the first round because this next one you're going to say no to i think uh the chiefs give us the 29th pick the second fifth pick 50 they give us the tyreek package without the picks for next year no you guys no 
I, I don't think that they would give up more than that. They, I think that <laughs> the Chiefs realize they need picks to build around $80 million Mahomes. So I don't think they, I think they would keep some of the picks. Yeah. Uh, I uh, think yeah. I need a top 20 pick and a day two pick to, to start the conversation. Okay. So That's we're exactly looking what for, I like about that. Kevin. We're looking for a mid first rounder. So, and then we want a, a second or third rounder, depending on how high. So pick between 10 and 20 and then a second rounder uh, to go along with if it's towards the end or a third rounder to go along with if it's towards the beginning of that, uh, that I don't know, bracket. I don't know how to say this. How about just any pick in the top eight? Would you take any, like if, uh, let's say, yes. I don't know why, the yeah. Falcons called us up and said, hey, we'll give you eight. Okay. I believe I so would the, so the line is about eight for us for single pick. Okay, that's good. We now we've now we've established what we would be happy with, and now we can be disappointed when it's not, when it's not that. when it's a pick in the twenties and like a fourth rounder and next year's third rounder. Yeah, that's exactly. Now we can now we can all be sad together when when we when we get just slammed with terrible. I really appreciate uh, that kick in the pills to end this conversation. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> you know it's got you know well. Okay, what did we get for Frank Clark? I don't remember actually. We got a first, a first, and uh, didn't we get like a, a fourth next year or something like that? Okay, so let's see. Um, Frank Clark trade. We traded Frank Clark to Kansas City. We got a twenty, uh, their first round pick in the twenty nineteen, a uh, second rounder and a swap of thirds. So, and there was a late first and a late second. So, yeah, I mean. I think that we're we're right in the in the in the range here. We're in we're in the right range because I think Frank Clark and D, at that time and DK Metcalf right now have pretty similar uh, values if to around the league. There's wide receivers <laughs> deep, so that hurts DK, and he was a better player than than Frank was. Um, but you know, positional scarcity defensive ends are harder to come by a little bit. Okay, uh, we talked a little bit about speaking of DK Metcalf. He did an interview with Kevin Garnett. We've had this conversation three times because we've, this is like our third re-record. That's so why we moved it to the end of this. That's why I, that's why I, same thing three times in a row. That's, why, that's why I moved it to the end. Exactly. Um, okay. So uh, DK Metcalf, he said uh, on Kevin Garnett's podcast, he was in shock when Russ got traded. Um, he said, it's his time to be the leader in Seattle. Uh, is DK our offensive captain going into uh 2022? Ugh, captain, I don't. I don't think DK should be the captain. DK has not shown the maturity that he should be a captain. Who's, who's the, uh, who's the Seahawks captain? Then? Tyler Lockett. The next Tyler Lockett. Yeah, Tyler Lockett would be good. Also, who's left? Who's left as like potential offensive captains? Tyler yeah, Lockett. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Tyler Lockett. It's got to be Tyler Lockett or um, uh, Big Montana. Big- Jackson really impressed. Big Montana. Uh, we could have. Big, uh, big Montana, Will Disley, number one deal money. Yeah, no kidding. Chris, Chris Carson, maybe. Uh, uh, no, big bold <laughs> assumption. He can wheel himself out there on his hover round that you think he's going to be in. Uh, yes, hover round true, true. Takes me where I uh, go. There's there is not a lot of there is not a lot of a veteran presence on this offense. You are right, but we're not in a he, rebuild. Nick <laughs> Nick Belor. I honestly he's already the Nick special team captain. Yeah, well, and, let's and, just make him all-time it, captain. Make him the offensive captain as the fullback, and then put. Did he have a sack on the, his record somewhere? <laughs> yeah. let's just we'll make him, him the, the offensive captain. captain and the special teams captain. We'll just introduce him twice. Yes, that's perfect. I, I'm into it. In and lieu then the of def- a raise, the defensive captain is probably going to be Jamal Adams or Quandre Diggs, right? It's yeah. quite, it's it's a two man race there to to see who it will be. Jamal, okay, paint him more. 
I mean, Jamal, ha- I'll be honest. Jamal has a great attitude on the field and like a rapport <laughs> with the, with the guys, like the way he carries himself on the field and the way he, he acts on the sidelines and stuff. I find very, very endearing. Like it makes me like him a lot. I, I think that if he, ha- if he turns in a good season, he could very quickly become a, the most popular Seahawks player by a country mile. Just because, just because he's extremely talented, very good at football, right. and has a really good attitude. Yeah, yeah. it's. I right. think the bigger yeah. question think, is, why does everyone hate him right now? <laughs> I think they're just dissatisfied with the trade, and and for yes. good reason. That's it. Um, right, and they should all hate John for that, and they can lay off of uh, Jamal. Uh, I don't think it's Jamal Adams' fault that they made a crappy trade. Yeah, that's that's my big thing. Just just appreciate the football player, and don't think about the fact that we're not picking tenth in the draft this year because of John Schneider. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's see. I think that's about it. I think we're ready to head into uh, the, the, the money zone. So there are many ways to support the Seahawks nest podcast. Best way to do so head over to patreoncom slash Seahawks nest. And for as little as a dollar 24 a month, uh, get access to the discord, come hang out with us. Um, do, uh, we got in season, we got our little uh, gambling show. That's pretty fun. Uh, so yeah, that's a fantasy there. football. Those signups will happen over the summer. Oh yeah, there's yeah, the fantasy football will be in the in the Discord. You guys will see that. We did our expansion draft for the for the uh Dynasty League. Uh, Eric, how did that go for you? Did you feel okay? Uh okay. It was it came at a time where uh I really could not focus on much. I don't so. think you did I think you did fine. Like I mean, I like the way that I ended up we ended up doing you set your starting <clears> lineup. <throat> that's your that's your protected guys. I felt like that was a it, it really made it so that the no one had to give up a great, great, great it minimized player. the feels bad moments. I agree. Yep. It also play- uh, dis- redistributed the depth of the league. The best player that got picked was like David Montgomery. I think it's not nothing crazy. No one crazy moved around. Top 10 quarterback, uh, Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams, <laughs> the wide receiver. Uh, you mean Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston. Yeah. Sorry. Draft brain. <laughs> uh, I, I like how, um, yeah, Jalen hurts moved and it's like, that's like the kind of player where he'll be good this year, but man, not a lot of future there. Anyway, thanks to Andy, Brett, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Blocked, Miss Greta, James, Joe, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Leon, Michael, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Werewolf, Brenton, Nick. Uh, thanks for supporting the show. And um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for, yeah, whatever. I, I can't talk right now. All right, you guys, um, I haven't seen this movie, but you both have. And it's a movie that I think the people want to hear our opinions on. It's a movie that was very popular. 2021's smash hit, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Uh, if you couldn't guess from the intro already. Um, I have one question about this. Uh, someone I know said that this movie made them cry. Uh, is that is that a reasonable response mm. to this movie? Yes. Is it Eric? No, uh, no. It, I I would say within <clears throat> the last ten minutes, there are a couple of moments where it's perfectly reasonable. If you want to cry, right. then cry. That's my reaction. I did not cry. <laughs> you did not, but you think it's reasonable. It's a reasonable. Uh, wait, wait, wait. It's, so it's, you only th- think it's reasonable to cry at movies that you cried at? <laughs> correct, correct. Because I'm a big softie. <laughs> Acceptable right. movies to cry at: Saving Private Ryan, The Last Unicorn. Uh, <laughs> the Fast and the all Furious right. Five, Fast Five years. Uh, all right, switch it. Switch it. Movie Club Top Ten Movies That Will Make Eric Cry. Let's go. Three hundred. Three hundred. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm throwing any movie that you uh, shouldn't uh, cry at now. Eric really resonated with Xerxes. It's <laughs> so it felt really terrible. 
<laughs> when he got Spartan uh, kicked to death. Um, yeah, I just knew sorry. it was coming. Let's actually talk about <laughs> the movie now. Uh, go ahead. And I and one thing I'll tell everyone who's listening to this, I'm immune to spoilers. They don't matter to me. So I'm ready to just like have this thing spoiled. So just turn the podcast off if you don't like spoilers. Like that, that's it. It's going to happen right here. So um, yeah, they. it's the movie opens with Peter Parker being revealed as Spider-Man, right? That's uh, yeah, it's yeah, picking it up opens where it's with the close of uh, Far From Home. Yep. Far From Home. OK. All right. Then, then Eric, right, well, I will put you in the captain's seat on this one. OK. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. So basically, it's <clears throat> very quickly we discover that Peter Parker has to now suddenly all of a suddenly adjust to life as with his identity revealed. He's, you know, trying to get to a private place. <laughs> there are no private places. He goes to his uh, apartment with his aunt and all of a sudden reporters are showing up. Um, helicopters was, outside. Helicopters outside. Yeah, it's a, it's a really stressful moment for him. And also you kind of get, um, like if you watch political intrigue shows or movies, you'll see like, you know, the, the powers that be will uh, put you in a situation that does not work for you in order to uh, get what they want. And that's uh, immediately when he's interviewed by the authorities, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you killed Mysterio. And it's like, no, I, no, I didn't, you know, uh, it still brings you back to the fact that he's a kid. And uh, from here, he goes to uh, Dr. Strange uh, to basically undo all the terrible things that are happening in Stephen, his life. Stephen, please. Stephen, please. So, um, and uh, from there, I mean, I guess, uh, do you want to follow up with questions? You just want me to keep rattling off the movie at this point. Just keep going, bro. I want to know. Keep going, man. You got all it. Right. So, uh, well, uh, actually, you know, if you want, if you want to tell me, like, like, if, what what you think about, like, what's your opinion? So, so Steve, so Steve uh, erases everyone's memories, basically. So he yeah. basically casts a spell, and he's he's very particular about well, this. So spell. Peter gets to have a grow up moment, right? Um, he can't deal with the fact that he is now uh, constantly in the spotlight, and uh, that it's affecting the people around him. But yeah, because no so, one can get into MIT. They're all MIT worthy, and no one can get into MIT. So what ends up happening is he wants to like help everyone else out. And so he has his, it's a wonderful life moment where he's like, well, if, if uh, we could just erase this whole situation, then I, then everyone else would get what they want. And that's, what's important. And so he kind of goes to give it up for like a very selfish reason. And um, basically he wants to give up the responsibility that he's gathered by being spider-man and then as eric was going to say before i talked right over the top of him uh he proceeds to have his regrets in real time while dr strange is weaving the spell and you have this pretty funny little exchange um but in the end it ends up making the spell go haywire and he has to bind the spell and can't cast it but it opens a rift in the multiverse and characters from the other spider-man universes which in this case is the other spider-man movies are uh, pulled into the MCU, so that but uh, but, but only if they know Pe- only yeah. if they know Spider Man's secret identity, right? Right, because uh, yeah. the spell was supposed to be anyone who knows that Peter Parker is Spider Man will uh, uh, will forget that, and so when they start splitting out parts of the spell, that's what makes it go haywire. Um, and the Which... rest of the movie is basically him having to try and clean up his own mess. <clears throat> And I thought that was kind of a smart way to do it as opposed to just, well, let's combine universes and bring all the famous people back. You know, they, they did. Do I agree. It was the most interesting way that could have been done. <laughs> okay. 
Um, from here we get um, you know, Alfred, Alfred Molina. Mol- Alfred up. Molina's back. He's the best. Yeah, he's and like, he's, 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 he's the guy goated. you see first, and he's great. Um, from there, I think we see Jamie Fox. Yeah, uh, is Electro, and then the Lizard, and then well, finally no, we see we see Defoe before we see Fox. Oh, you're right. We do. The bridge. we do. We see Defoe and Defoe and, uh, doing crazy face. Whenever you can wedge that into a movie, I will take that. Yes, and I I think Willem Defoe is the MVP of this movie. He's the glue that holds it together. Um, they I think they finally nailed the character of the Green Goblin by bringing him back and kind of playing with him. They smashed up his Power Rangers mask. Uh, you know, yep. you see it early in the movie, and then they smash it, which was uh, really, really smart. Uh, they also change his his costume a little. Just he's wearing the same costume he wore in the Spider Man movies, but he he has this like hoodie that's purple, so um, it becomes tattered. It looks a lot more comic accurate. It's, he looks a lot more like the Green Goblin without having a mask or you know any sort of helmet, which I thought was uh, really smart, really great uh, work by the design team. And also Willem Dafoe is, uh, he's pretty much the the one true villain of this movie. I still don't understand Sandman in any of the movies he's been in. I don't understand what he's, what, like the impetus for his character. I don't understand his drive. Um, uh, I think it. I think that they just said Thomas Hayden Church. Be sad. Uh, I was about to say. I think the. I think that the purpose of it is that Thomas Hayden Church is a really nice guy. People like hanging out with him. They're like. Well, what can we do? Well, we'll here, let's wings. have this character that's not actually a bad guy. Um, just someone in a really unfortunate circumstance. And uh, who can play that? Well, I know this guy, Tom, who's pretty nice. But then let's they're like, then they're like, OK, so is he going to so he's just going to sit there and be sad? It's like, no, let's just have him wreck stuff for no reason. OK, I kind of like that he has a singular motivation, which he's like, uh, basically, he brings a blue collar attitude to supervillain where he's like, look, look. I just want to go back to my own universe and hang out with my daughter. I really, I all I'll, I'll put in this eight hours trying to heal all these people. I don't care about. Oh, that's not going to work. Okay. Well, uh, if I just kill you, can I go see my daughter? No, that's not going to work. Okay. Well, <laughs> is it true that aunt may said with great power comes great responsibility in this one? Yes. And it's pretty so. well executed in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, was it was it as cheesy as every other time they said that line in, in one of these movies? Uh, uh, no, it's... because this was the I think the moment where people cried. This is uh, since we're in the spoiler version. Aunt May dies instead of Uncle Ben. Um, okay. They they go to Aunt May's rice. Uncle Ben's rice is gone, and uh, it's it's a pretty powerful scene. It reminds you of uh, Marissa Tomei. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Marissa Tomei is a, a good actor, and uh, she was finally used as opposed to just the hot ant in the movie um and that's that's the scene where it was like oh wow this is this is actually a really good movie because Um, the way they set it up is uh ant-man encourages him to help uh the other villains out before just instead of just launching them back into their own universe to uh to be killed and so it brings out that part of her character that's the uh the not the non-profit charity worker side yep and uh that's the lens through which the great power great responsibility thing comes through because uh, she ends up being killed by Green Goblin, who uh, that's who ends up seeking out her help in the first place as Osborn. And that's what is the impetus for helping them all out. And so she's basically saying, even in that moment, like, no, you should not have regrets about having done this, because at the end of the day, the most important thing is doing what's right. Um, it doesn't matter that the result was wrong. And 
that's what ends up leading immediately uh, in the conclusion of the third act into uh, Peter Parker's decision to erase the memory of Peter Parker from everyone is Peter Parker. So that um, because what happens is the spell basically gets broken free by Green Goblin. And uh, when it goes off, it goes off wrong and starts splitting open the multiverse. So then anyone from anywhere who knows that any Peter Parker is Spider-Man is going to be attracted there. Yeah. And so instead he has uh, Steve uh, weave a spell to um, make everyone forget him. And that's his like moment of sacrifice. But this time, instead of it being over college emissions, it's about, um, you know, actually like saving the multiverse. I also like that it sets up for small scale New York level only Spider-Man action, which I hope is where the movie ends up going, because I think that's uh, MCU movies all being on gigantic scale is limiting. So I hope we get a little bit more friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. And he has a great costume now that is no longer an Iron Man suit, which that's the one thing I haven't really loved about these movies. It's kind of it's. It's been a <clears throat> Deus Ex Machina where you're just allowed to. Oh well, it's, it's he can do it in the suit. He can he can do it in the suit. It's fine. The suit can do this now. Oh, he needs to shrink like Ant Man. You know, let the suit do it. Um, this this mm-hmm. brings it back down to earth, which I am really looking forward to. Plus, I mean, I like Tom Holland. I want more Tom Holland Spider Mans, and we're gonna get it here. So okay, there's a after credit scene with uh with Venom. <laughs> uh, do you okay? Let's. I'm gonna ask two questions. One. Obviously, Venom's going to be in the MCU now. Do you think? Do you think it's the? Do you think it's the Tom Hardy Venom, or do you think it'll be a different Venom? So there's it a lot of the talk Tom about Hardy this. Venom, but then they prepped it like it could be a different one. Yeah, so yeah, I guess that's... there's a Venom verse, and that's it's weird. Like there's this Morbius movie is coming out, and it's got like it, it's kind of touching coming on out. These. It's coming out in like in like in like. Oh. This Thursday, isn't it? Well, it's not available right now, is it, Nathan? Yeah, so I, mean, I guess it's, it's still I mean, it's, coming out. It's, this thing's coming up, bro. That's what I'm saying, what though, is that I don't know if Venom's in that universe. I don't think Morbius is in this universe. But the Vulture's in that universe. Like, they're kind of confusing. When, when you have, like, all these superhero movies and, you know, like the Joker movie and the Nolan movies and the, the stupid Justice League movie, people are, like, not confused. But this Spider-Man thing is it's starting to get like, I hope Morbius so lets us know where everyone is. There is Morbius leaks. And uh, apparently it is not good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the leaks are. Ugly. I mean, uh, are you I, I think Jared Leto's a great actor, but I don't know what Spider-Man fan was clamoring for a Morbius the Living Vampire movie. What an obscure character whose height of popularity came when he was in like two or three episodes of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, it's a, it's such a weird... Um, I don't know what to think about. Um, it's, hey, people like vampires, stuff. right? Well, right? it's also Sony like, well, what can we make a movie about? Because we own all these characters... And how can we piss Marvel off and just do our own thing and keep the the rights to Spider Man alive? Like, well, let's let's do Morbius, let's do Venom, let's uh, let's do a Black Cat movie that's in development. Oh man, 
if they do like a Morbius, if they do like a, if it turns, this turns into like Morbius is part of some team up villains movie with Spider-Man. I, ugh, that's yuck. the rumor. Yeah. Some sort of sinister six, which he was never a part of. Yeah, exactly. He was never even in the sinister six. Yeah. Like, like, okay. Like what, what's your, what's your ideal? Let's, let's, let's pivot a little bit. What's your ideal sinister six, Eric? Oh, this is a tough one. Okay. So Dr. Octopus, Green Goblin, Electro, Rhino, Mysterio. No, I want Mysterio out. Let's put Scorpion in there. And then probably like Sandman. No, I like Mysterio. Ah, it's hard. It's, I like Craven. That's the thing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of choices here. And one person I don't hear you mentioning even in passing is Morbius the Living Vampire. No. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like I would want to have Vulture. And Craven the Hunter kind of have to be in there because that's like a core Sinister Six thing for me. And then Doc Ock. I feel like those three, and then we can figure out the other three. I think that's so the Because I like the Shocker as well. The original is Dr. Octopus, Electro, Craven, Mysterio, Sandman, Vulture, right? That's the OG Sinister Six. And I think that's actually like a really, really good lineup. Um, Like you said, Eric, replacing... Mysterio with Green Goblin is probably like a like a really good choice. Uh, Scorpion and Shocker are definitely in the mix for like. I think you got to have um, like the lower grunts in there as well because I like them having a place to be because it's kind of like you know I don't want this six man to be like the all star, but when you put him on a great team, he's great all of a sudden. Yeah, Rhino is a good choice. Also, I like that's why Rhino in there called out Rhino. Um. What about what if we just go full on Sinister Sixty? Do you remember that? <laughs> or they where they just had like everyone. Yeah, if you're going Grey Sinister Goblin, Sixty, Goblin, I think oh, around Doppelganger number fifty four. We'll put in Morbius, I guess. <laughs> That's where Morbius can come in. in yeah, the, like in you the know Sinister. the uh, the all the, you know the all American team or the all first team. I think Morbius is somewhere in like the all seventh team of Spider Man villains or all fifth. Uh, uh, okay, Mor- Morbius or uh, Chameleon. Chameleon. Morbius or uh, let's go with uh, Carrion. Carrion. <laughs> uh, Morbius. Yeah, Carrion. Carrion has done some really messed up stuff to Spider Man. So yeah, give me Morbius Carrion. or Morbius or Kane. Morbius. <laughs> All right, we found one. Okay, here we go. I was like, I was like looking at a big list of super uh, Morbius villains. or Swarm. <laughs> I know, you know how much I love Spider Man and his amazing friends, Kevin. So no questions. Swarm, Swarm, Morbius swarm. or Killer Shrike. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, what? Killer no, Shrike. No, no Killer Shrike. Kevin doesn't know this, but I know who Killer Shrike is. He's got like these like little side blades on his hands, and he was like dressed as like a he had like a giant what? ponytail. Yeah. What's the best Craven the Hunter? One, two, or three? One. <laughs> I agree. One, one, easy, easily the best. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I. What about, I hope what about they, Jack O'Lantern? I love <laughs> Jack O'Lantern. You know yeah, the Jack current O'Lantern's Hobgoblin cool, is actually Jack, Jack O'Lantern. O'Lantern. Jack O'Lantern turned into the recent Hobgoblin after Ned Leeds died. So there you go. So okay, the if they do a Sinister Six movie and it includes like Venom and Morbius, that's such a weird movie. It's going to be Venom, Morbius, probably Carnage Vulture. for some reason, Vulture, and then. Whoever else, Killer Shrike. And that's the exact opposite of what I mean. <laughs> Beetle. The exact opposite of what I want. I would like something that's a little bit smaller scale. It's gonna be Beetle, Eric. Beetle's I, in there. The Beetle. Put, yeah. put, put put him in. Is there been a is there been an MCU or Sony Shocker yet? Yeah, we had Shocker in uh, uh no the first Spider Man's with Tom Holland. Bokeem Woodbine played him. 
There were like oh, two yeah. guys. There were two guys who played the Shocker. And That's in weird. the uh, there's a leak scene or like he originally had a mask that was kind of comic accurate. And they decided to, you know, don't wear masks. Just uh, they didn't even give him wanna... like he had like a even a, like a shirt that helped insulate. But they never used the Shocker again. I totally forgot about that. They yeah, bring back bring back Bokeem Woodbine. I love Bokeem sure. Woodbine as the shocker. I was like, yeah, yeah just dope. give him that puffy suit that keeps him from shaking apart. And yeah, but they were like, nope, we're we're gonna take this awesome movie and never reference it again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for Eric for Kevin. We will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.